The first lesson for today is from Exodus chapter 34. It's going to serve as a basis for the sermon this morning. Here you're going to see a moment in the life of Moses, and it was probably one of those pinnacle moments of his life. In joy and celebration of God's forgiveness of his idolatrous people, they had just made the golden calf, if you've heard of the golden calf in the wilderness, and God said um, that he would nevertheless, because of Moses pleading and mediating, that that God was going to mercifully go with his people and continue to be with them. And Moses is beside himself. And he says, show me your glory. And God says, well, you can't look at my face. I'm a holy God and you're a sinful man. You would perish on the spot. But this is what God reveals to Moses. He gives to Moses and to his church a name upon which you can build your life. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. The word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, whom Jesus stooped down low to come and share your flesh and blood, that he might cleanse you from every last spot and stain and blemish and make you a people, a people that were strong in the building he was making, the part of the temple of God, holy, righteous, straight lines on those 90-degree angle corners of the house. That's what Jesus has made you to be. Amen. There's a lot of stability that people need to make life go. If you were to talk about essentials, and we were to strike up a conversation about essentials for human living, or human thriving, however you wanted to call it, like essentials for human thriving, you'd start to build a little bit of your own kind of building, right? You'd start to flesh it out, we need some of this and we need some of that, and you're you're basically constructing something stable so that we can survive or thrive, right? And of course, you would be talking about physical needs and probably add to some things, emotional needs, solitary confinement is, is hard because we need relationships and some other things that are just built into us that without this, we're destroyed. Without this, we're nothing. And that's the exact nature um, of the conversation we're having today. The word security describes the essence of that conversation we'd be having. Secure, 
You need some security. In fact, if we made up a world where you didn't have any security, I think we'd be describing something where you'd take away all givenness of stuff, all repetition. Imagine science class where you did an experiment one time, and the next time you did it, you got completely different results, and the next time, third, new results, new results, new results, never ever the same, nothing ever the same. Imagine if you had no security that one day there's gravity, and the next moment it's gone. Imagine one, one day it rains and you got like, oh, we had a whole year of good seasons and, and no droughts. And you couldn't plan on it, you couldn't predict it, you couldn't follow this almanac, anything. And how unreliable, how insecure you would feel. You'd have to take these great pains. Well, I may fly off the planet today if gravity doesn't show up. So I better nail myself some boots to the floor that I can at least reach and grab for something to hold myself down. What if the nails were unpredictable? What if your arms were unpredictable? You could smash your toe, right? So there's on and on and on. You get the nature of a security question that really is at the essence of life at the essence of human surviving and thriving, you have to have your security blanket. You have to have something that stays the same, that you can build your life around. If I had an egg up here and a rock, and I asked you, which one would you build your life on? I think you would tell me it wouldn't be the egg, right? If I had a drop it contest, which one's gonna maintain its integrity? You know, you would not trust the egg, you would trust the rock to maintain its integrity. That's what Jesus is getting at. He says, guess what, Peter? What you just said about me being the Christ, that's a rock. That's secure. That's anchored stuff in the world. And to be honest with you, everything else in the world is untethered, unanchored, tangled up mess. That's not the basis for surviving or thriving. So Jesus is very good with his words in picking on the metaphor to say, there's a rock that's there for you, and upon it, I'm going to build my church. So now you look with fresh eyes to the scene of Moses and the Israelites, and they're wandering through the wilderness. They're not quite wandering yet. They had just gotten out of Egypt, right? They go to Mount Sinai, and they're going to enter into this a stronger, better covenant relationship with the God, more well-informed, intact, entrenched by grace. We are your people, and you are our God, and that's awesome. We're going to do life together, and that's the best kind of life there could be. And then Moses took a long time coming down the mountain with the two tablets of stone by the finger of God, inscribed with the commandments, this is how to live. You're my people, I'm your God, I took you out of Egypt. And he just took a really long time. So everybody starts staring at their watch and then they begin complaining. Moses is gone, is he ever gonna come back? Aaron, brother of Moses, would you, you know, make some gods for us so we can move on we need something to go out in front of us we need what we need security we need something to go out before us and keep us safe provide because this world's already way too chaotic they understood that 
but they were ready, right? So what they do, they, and in Aaron's words later to Moses, well, they handed over their gold jewelry to me and I, I boiled it down and out came this calf. Whoop, look at that. And he just so happened to build an altar in front of it and then they began their worship life and they were ready to move on. That's a, that's an eggy existence. Watch me drop it. If I had like a tile floor, I'd totally be dropping eggs this morning. <laughs> Splat. God tells Moses before he goes down the mountain, these people are stiff-necked and idolatrous. They've, you know what? Stand aside. I'm going to annihilate them and we'll start over with you, Moses. You'll be the father of many nations. I'll do it through you. Forget Abraham. And Moses is like, no, you can't. This is who you really are. You're the God who does not change. You're the God who keeps his promises. It was an opportunity, a softball toss, for Moses to hit a home run. And he did. And then he went down the mountain with the two tablets in his stand and his heart broke so much at the singing of the camp and their idolatrous worship you know he breaks he breaks the two tablets of stone so then he has another conversation with God he goes back up and he says what's the deal what are we going to do are you going to be with this people or not I just saw how bad it was you were exactly right at the top of the mountain I pleaded for them and I came down here I saw how horrible it was and he says yeah when the time comes to punish the people I'll punish them and there was a plague and there were people that died people that died but Moses says Lord if you don't go with us don't ask us to ever leave because God had said, I'm not going with you. Uh, maybe an angel of mine will go, but I'm not. And Moses says, if you don't, don't send us out. Do you hear that language? That's life and death language. That is survive language. And as in, there is no survival if you're not our gravity. I just get blown off the face of this earth. Moses understood it in a completely different way than the way of the world. Doesn't it surprise you? Because everybody thinks, oh, I got my stuff. I got my clothes. I had breakfast this morning, right? I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling good. I can do stuff. I can build stuff. You know what? That's all because you can depend on it. That's all because it's reliable. That's all because God created a world that was absolutely not chaotic, but well-ordered and designed, right? But Moses caught something else. You've got a disease that's wild in your heart you got something out of control and unwieldy this day that this day this right you can't trust what you see in the mirror you can't do the same thing one day after you're the you're the wild card look at this stiff-necked and stubborn nation I tuck this way they go that way right the recalcitrant donkey come on let's go they wouldn't do it that's exactly how God described the nation of Israel. And Moses pulls out his hair. He's going to just make a golden calf like it's been 10 minutes. It hasn't been 10 minutes, but you know, it's 40 days, but they still did it. How can you ever put up with us? And God says, with Moses pleading, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And if you could have seen 
Moses' face light up if it, it wasn't already glowing because it was in the presence of God, right? But he's going to see his, his heart, the burden, like lifted, like gravity's going to be gravity and food's going to be food and I can depend on this and I can depend on that because God's going to be God. It's the real God, right? It's the real God being the real God. He comes back to that well and he finds that as it's out. All this is a prelude to this lesson. After the, in the joy of, the, of what had been given to him and promised him. God who's saying, I will go with you. I will go with you. In the joy of that forgiveness, in the joy of that promise of God, Moses says, like giddy little kid, show me your glory. This is just, show it all. Like give, give me all of you. Show me your glory. And that's where we get to this scene. God re- talks to him about the two tablets of stone. God talks to them about repentance among the people. And they get to this point, you know, where God's going to pass in front of Moses. He says, you can't see my face and live because nobody can do that, right? You can see my back. But what I really need to reveal to you, what you really need to learn in science class about the repeated tests of life, the thing that will always ring true, the something that you can build your life on, what you really need to hear from me is not what I look like. It's not the fullness of my glory and majesty that you'll get someday in heaven face to face. It's something you need now, something you sinners need that's there for you. Listen, listen, something you need, a certain kind of rock on which Jesus is going to build his church in this world, and it's a bleeding Savior. And that's what God gives you. Did you hear it in this Old Testament? It's the same thing in the name of the Lord. What kind of name is given to you today? This is what makes pastors so giddy to preach. It's because I get to wake up this morning and say, I can't believe I get to share God's sermon on his name that's a gift for you to keep and to hold and to treasure. You get to live because of this. I thought of you this morning living because of this name. The sun as it appears, going around, right? Everything, doing its stuff, all time and space carrying on because God is who he is. Don't lie to yourself. It's nothing else. Moses is spot on. If you don't go with us, it's all gone. And here is the Lord giving you something to live on and not die. Giving you something that will forgive you and proclaim it in a reliable way. So we listen again to God's own preachment of his name. Here it is. The Lord, the Lord. And then he starts with some characteristic adjectives. Compassionate and gracious. In Hebrew, it's the God of, right? The God of compassion and grace. If you're going to look at my face, which you're not going to, you're going to look at me, the real me. And I'm a God of fill in the blank. If I'm a God of fill in the blank, what I put there, God says, for you, is compassion. What I put there for you is compassion and grace. I'm gracious. I am gracious. I am gracious. Today, tomorrow, and yesterday. I am gracious to you. And then we begin phrases. And he says, I'm slow to anger. I will show my anger and wrath. I will punish. You heard that later on. I will punish those who hate me. 
but that's not my desire. I'm slow. I'm really slow to get angry. I'm really slow to raise my temper. I'm really slow to express my wrath against sin. My great desire is to forgive you in my grace and my compassion. I'm a God of compassion and grace. Slow to anger, rich in love and faithfulness. I'm gravity. I am loving and loving and loving and loving, and I have tons of it. And it's always going to be that way. I abound in staying true to me. Faithfulness. Then it becomes a verb. Do you see God giving you the rock you need? Becomes a verbal phrase. Maintaining love to thousands. Maintaining it. Now it's got an object to thousands. That's figurative language for you can't count this. You can't even count how I maintain my love to so many people. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. One of the joys of learning Hebrew is to spend some time in the Hebrew of the text, but it's here in your English Bibles too. You have three words for sin. I forgive wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Pay attention to that. Wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Three words. You could have said one, God, but he said, for those times, you crossed the line, like we were there, and I said, this, this line separates really evil, unholy stuff in my sight and holy stuff. And you went, I saw that line, and I went right across it, Lord. God says, I forgive that, crossing the line. It's trespassing. I forgive that. If you were an archer and you missed the mark and you missed the mark and you could never hit a bullseye in your life, that's another one of the words. I forgive that. I forgive that. If there were a bar and a standard of perfection, you were expected to high jump and clear it every single time, every second of every day in your life if you want to be holy. You know what the law says. Romans 10 talked to you today. You know what the law says. You do it and you'll live. You do it. You get over that high jump today, tomorrow, the next day, every moment of your life. You need no forgiveness. But all the times you knock that bar clear off and can't even get your little pinky toe over the top. I forgive it. I forgive it. Behind those words of maintaining love to thousands and compassion and grace, there's a foundation underneath all of that. God's eternal promise to you to be forgiving God, do you know what, what anchors that to the ground? God's word to you. Do you know what it is? It's a sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross that God knew he was going to do from eternity and that would be yours. It is from everlasting to everlasting the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the reason God of God's grace to you. You are forgiven. All of this is taken away, sent off, separated, your sins separated from you because those sins were punished on Jesus. And from eternity, that was God's plan. I can be patient with this nation. I can forgive you, your sins, because me, the holy God, expresses that love by sending my one and only son to give his life for the world. You bank this. 
You bank it as the name. And when you think of God and all the myriad ways people mess this up and they become a church that's highly confused, a church with peer pressure to live up to everybody else around you, a church where there's a certain standard and if you're not doing it, we can't really comfort you that you're a child of God unless you live a certain way of life or, oh, if you really do that bad thing, I think you're pretty much kicked out for life they become that kind of church. Is that the church that God wants? Is that the name that he's given to people? I'm compassionate and gracious, right? It's all about Christ. The only thing God punishes for everlasting life is unbelief. When somebody says, I don't want the gift, and you stand before a holy God, all you, and not covered in Christ. When you stand before a holy God, that's the sin of the, of, the, of the wicked that he talks about. I'm going to punish the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. In Deuteronomy and Exodus 20, it says, of those who hate me, those who hate me, those who, you know, they don't care about the cross. They thumb their nose at God. I don't need it. I'm surviving by myself. and they'll, buy, they'll die forever. The church that God builds understands this, that our broken, crazy, wild card, selfish nature is completely forgiven by a compassionate God that I can bank on. I can build my, my feeble, weak, pathetic walk with God. I can build my life on his name. I can count on this, because God did that when he revealed his name to Moses. Think about what you received this morning. What did you hear in the word of God? What did he proclaim to you? Build on it. Bank it. That's the church that gets to keep, has been built, and to keep on building on that rock and that rock alone. That's the one thing that is going to separate our congregation from a lot of different congregations that are out there that will wheedle in confusing statements about Jesus. But praise be to God, there's a rock proclaimed to you today. There's something immovable and fixed about your spiritual life with the Lord. It will never change, and it's here for you today. You have a Lord, a Lord, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness and forgives wickedness and rebellion and sin and maintains his love to thousands. Amen.